Hi, I'm Roger Blackmore. I'm the lead pastor at Genesis Church on Long Island in New York. Thanks for downloading our podcast. I hope it's a blessing to you. If you want to learn a bit more about our church, then check out our website, genesisli.com. And of course, if you live within traveling distance of us, we'd love to see you in person on Sunday morning, worshiping with us. So here's today's message. Enjoy. Thank you. Good morning. Well, I understand because you've, had an, you've got an English pastor, you understand English jokes. So that is a great relief because some of my best jokes are ruined because of the, the difference in our language. I want to say, first of all, thank you to Roger and Jill for allowing me to be here. And I know Roger will be watching online. And just to say, Roger, we love you. And we are praying for a speedy recovery. And that before you, the best years are yet to come. Amen. I want to thank uh, Charlotte and Eric for hosting us and showing us some parts of your beautiful island. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you will have your way amongst us this morning. That Holy Spirit, you will glorify Jesus and that everything I say and do will ultimately extend your kingdom and bring praise to the only one that needs to get the praise. And so, Lord Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done in our lives and that you will help us this morning in what we're going to talk about. Amen. The title for my talk this morning is called The Cinderella Culture. The Cinderella Culture. And my goal is simple. For the next few minutes, I want to invite you all to the ball. I would like you to enter in and enjoy the ball. What it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to enter into the invitation that heaven gives us to celebrate a life of following Jesus. You see, through the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, all humanity has an invitation. It's an invitation to a celebration, the likes of which we don't know until we become a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a heavenly celebration on earth. But that said, many of us find ourselves listening to the ugly sisters of intimidation, and condemnation. And somehow we find ourselves in what I'm calling basement thinking. Basement thinking. Instead of what the New Testament calls high-level living. So we're going this morning from the basement to the ballroom. Are you with me? I want to go from the basement to the ballroom to enter into what it really means to become a follower of Christ. But because Because to be a follower of Jesus is a supernatural process whereby the Holy Spirit renews our mind so that by God's grace we reign in life, that's what Romans says, reign in life by one man, Christ Jesus, because we are seated in heavenly places. So to help us get from the basement to the ballroom, I'd like to turn your attention to a a biblical proverb. And I'm going to give you the proverb, it's Proverbs 23, 7, and this is how the NASB translates it. As a man or woman, 
believes in their heart, as a man or woman believes, as they, sorry, let me say that again, as a man and woman thinks within themselves, so he or she is. As a man and woman thinks within themselves, so he or she is. I'm going to fly in the face of what is known as common thinking. A lot of people say, you are what you eat. Now, if that's true, I've got a few Big Macs and a few pepperoni pizzas in front of me. We're not what we eat. Neither are we what we wear. Neither are we what we do. But this proverb says, we are what we think. And from that proverb, as a man thinks within himself, so he is, I have this simple saying, this simple mantra that says, what I believe affects how I behave and ultimately what I become. What I believe affects how I behave and ultimately what I become. Every one of us has beliefs. We have a collection. It's called a cluster of beliefs. Some of them are kind of unimportant. They're kind of surface beliefs. But others are deeply seated in our subconscious. They are beliefs that sit like a jury in a courtroom. And at any one moment, they're ready to bring a judgment on people, objects, and events. Our beliefs, we've all got them, beliefs. That's why Jesus, when he began his ministry, talking about the kingdom of God, introduced a word that some feel is archaic, but it's still biblical. It's the word repent. That word simply means to change our mind in order to change our lifestyle. It's changing our mind about ourselves, about our spiritual state, about God. It's a work of God whereby we change our mind. And that change of thinking leads to a change of lifestyle. Most of us come into one of two camps. When it comes to the way we think, we're, we're either what is called fixed or growth thinkers. What I like to put as um, flat earth thinkers or round earth thinkers. You see, flat earth thinkers, they kind of think according to their fears. They see the hole and miss the donut. They see the problem and not the possibility. Flat earth thinkers, they are limited because of the fears of what others have said about them, to them, or over them. Flat earth thinkers, they see the problem, not the possibility. They think according to their fears. Round earth thinkers think according to their faith in what God says. They believe what God says about them. They don't see the problem so much as they look for the possibility through the problem. They are totally different in the way that they, are, they believe. I call them round earth thinkers. They push through the opposition 
in order to find the possibility. They are people who want to walk, and this is paraphrased of John 8, they want to walk in the good of what Jesus says. They want to know, not just theoretically, but they want to know experientially the truth because the truth will set them free. What I believe affects how I behave. Becoming a Christ follower is not just a mental ascent, it's not just a nod of the head. It is a radical transaction. It is a transformation. It is a moving out of a state of being spiritually dead, whereby I am spiritually alive. It is great to know that my loving Heavenly Father loves me to such an extent He would send His Son and help me in my whole concept of life. What I believe affects how I behave. Let me tell you a story. This is a true story. And it's about an older couple. In England, um, some people are born, live, and die in the same village. They never venture outside the place they were born. And there was this elderly, elderly couple who lived in the north of the country. And in their senior years, they decide to go traveling. They don't just travel outside the village. They travel outside their state or their, their country. They, they want to stand, kind of move outside of what was then known as Yorkshire. They're going to move outside the nation. They decide to come to America. They decide to come to New York. And their hotel is downtown New York. So they tell, this is way back, this is in the 70s. They tell their friends, we're, we're going on a vacation. Where are you going? We're going to America. Where are you going? We're going to New York. Whoa, be careful. New York can be dangerous. You may get attacked. You may get robbed. What do you think, what do you believe affects how you behave? Anyway, they fly into New York, and it's pretty late at night. But as your shops stay or your stores stay open a lot later than ours, they get into the hotel. They're about three floors up. And they get into the hotel room, and the wife has a brainwave. You know, guys out there, this works. She says, let's go shopping. And of course, the husband, being a loving husband, says, yeah, okay, love, we'll go, we'll go shopping. And so they come down in the elevator to the lobby, and they're just about to leave the hotel, and the woman says, oh, no, I've left my purse. I've left my, my, my purse in the room. You stay here, and I'll go back to the hotel room, get my purse, and then we'll go off shopping. So she gets into the elevator, goes up to their room, and gets her purse, comes back to the elevator, the elevator door's open, she steps inside an empty elevator, and the doors are just about to close when a tall Afro-American steps inside the elevator with her. With him, he has a dog the size of a pony. <laughs> it is not only big, it is gargantuan, a huge dog. And so the elevator doors close, and the lady who is not really a believer, starts praying. <laughs> oh, help me, Lord. 
help me. And all of a sudden, the silence of the elevator is penetrated by the shouts of this tall Afro-American who says, get down, get on the floor. And she thinks, oh no, oh no. And she starts to kneel on the floor. And she hears the man chuckling, he's laughing. And he reaches out to her and touches on the shoulder. I'm sorry, love, I meant the dog. I meant the dog. What you believe affects how you behave. Well, that's not the end of the story. Because they come to finish their vacation in that hotel, and they go to the reception desk, and they are about to pay the uh, bill. And the receptionist says, it's been paid. It's been paid. In fact, here is a bouquet of flowers. And she brings out this huge bouquet of flowers. And in it was a card. And the card says, thank you for the best laugh I've had in my life. <laughs> Signed, Lionel Richie. What I believe affects how I behave. And let me move on to the last piece. Affects what I become. What I believe affects how I behave and ultimately what I become. As a Christ follower, God's intention for your, um, your and my life is that we enter into the celebration of grace that we come into the ballroom, not the basement, that we are a demonstration not only of God's grace, but of his goodness. You see, the question this morning is, how does God see me? Not to how I see myself, but the question is, how does God see me? God sees me as a son or a daughter of a loving Heavenly Father. God sees me not only as a son, he sees me as a servant of the Most High God. He sees me as steward of the mysteries of heaven. He sees me as a soldier in the army of the Lord. He sees me as an ambassador of heaven on earth. He sees me as a representative of the kingdom of God. He sees me as an overcomer, a winner who sometimes loses, not a loser who sometimes wins. Big difference. He sees me as a winner, an overcomer. He sees me as a winner who sometimes loses, not a loser who sometimes wins. He sees me as someone who is supremely loved, highly valued, and eternally redeemed. Yet the trouble is, the invitation is, coming in, is to come into the ballroom of grace, to reign in life, as Romans says, to reign in life through one man, Christ Jesus, to live in heavenly places. But the trouble is, the ugly sisters of intimidation and condemnation, of shame and sorrow, keep speaking negative words into us, bringing those reminders of our past and telling us, you can't be like that. Let me remind you of what you once were. And it the ugly sisters want to bring us back into the basement, the basement of low self-esteem, of poor self-image. And in that moment, we forget what the Ephesian scripture says, that we should know that him, we should know 
Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all we ask or think. The Bible says we should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought. But I think for most Christians that's not the problem. We don't think of ourselves as highly as we ought. We are sons and daughters of the living God. And the power of the Holy Spirit is within us to help, help our minds to know exactly what God thinks. It's as if we're the principal players in the parable of the prodigal son, Luke 15. Whereby the son returns repentantly and the father embraces him and receives him back. Gives him a coat. Reckoned to be the coat of sonship. Gives him a new identity. He gives him also a ring. A ring of authority. And gives him shoes. Shoes of destiny. And he sets him up for the party. But it's sometimes as if God has set us up with a new identity in Christ. He's giving us new authority. He's giving us a whole new destiny. But somehow the ugly sisters don't want us to go to the ball. And I'm saying this morning, God wants to take us from the basement to the ballroom. He wants to, rec- he wants to help us recognize who we are. And that's why I wrote this book. This book was a 10-year dream that I wanted to help young people. It's written as a story for nines, eights, nines, tens, 11, 12-year-olds. And it's a great story. And I wrote this that parents might discuss with their children, grandparents with their children, teachers with their pupils, what it means to have an identity that's different. Not to see yourself with low self-esteem, with a poor self-image. And it talks about bullying and other issues of not measuring up. And the, the character here meets Grandpa Joe. And it's a kind of a, a classic storyline whereby I may not feel that I can measure up, but I have a heavenly father that wants to tell me, in Christ Jesus, you measure up. You have a new identity. You have a new authority. You have a new destiny in Jesus Christ. As a man thinks within themselves, so he or she is. I want to rule and reign in life through one man, Christ Jesus. I want to know what it means to live in heavenly places, to live above the circumstances, not beneath them, to know a victory day by day in my life. And by God's grace, I believe that is possible. Before I flew out of England, I had root canal fillings. You know, it's a great thing, you know, didn't know what to do, so I thought I'd go and have some root canal. It's a great way to spend a day. <laughs> and I'm in the dentist chair having this root canal filling. And a song came over the airwaves in his surgery. And I'd like you to listen to this song, and then I'm going to come back and pray. Thank you.
I keep fighting voices in my mind that say I'm not enough Every single lie that tells me I will never measure up Am I more than just the sum of every high and every low Remind me once again just who I am because I need to know
That is a great song. We've flown from Texas over this way and we fly home tomorrow. It seems every airport we go into, that song keeps coming up. It's almost as if it's, it's a message within itself. And so often the enemy has sown lies. And our mind and our belief system tells us, you're nobody, you'll never be anybody. But God has a totally different perspective on you and me. As Christ followers, he says, you are a winner. You are an overcomer. By God's grace, as the psalmist says, you can run through a troop and leap over a wall. You can break through the barriers. And I believe the church of Jesus Christ in the West has to no longer belong to a a Cinderella culture. Stop listening to the ugly sisters who bring intimidation and condemnation, who faces up with the sorrow and the shame of things that have gone on in the past. He's taken away the past and buried it. And we have a whole new beginning. And I would like to pray this morning. And as I pray for each and every one of us, I want God to do a work in us all that our beliefs will be God's beliefs. And in, in, in taking on board God's beliefs, He will change our behavior, that we will behave according to the beliefs that we find in Scripture. And then we will become the men and women God intended us to be.